Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the third part of this four-part episode on the Nigerian election on the 25th of February, 2023. Our guest is Desmond Okumbo, a PhD candidate who is an Oxford SDG research fellow. In this episode, we discuss economics. With a $440 billion GDP, it's Africa's largest economy. However, last year, Nigeria's GDP growth shrunk, and a few weeks ago, protests erupted as a result of a cash shortage, as the government tried to bring in new redesigned notes of the Nigerian currency. The Naira. We also talk about Nigeria's corruption problem and whether there's light at the end of the tunnel for a small business to make it in this entrepreneurial nation famous for the hustle. People are not happy with the, with the current situation in the country. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then they've, they've been trying to they've been trying to basically separate Bolak Mid-Stinibu's campaign from that of Buhari and saying, well, you know, in trying not to discredit Buhari, Right, yeah. but also acknowledging that the situation in the country needs to needs to improve, and, and that has actually yeah. caused okay. infighting between President Buhari's you know office and Bolak Bintinibu because he's saying you are you are the APC's candidates, mm. you know the APC is in power, so whatever the constitution is, you are part of it. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah and that's yeah. an interesting thing because. Um, and this brings us actually to the Naira redesign. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's sort of like Buhari's last mic drop. I don't know, like, like I thought Honestly, everything was just going to be, you know, like calm and you know, you have an election. Yeah. It's like Buhari will just fade out. And, now, <laughs> and I, I don't know anything about this redesign, but all I know is there were a number of protests. Yeah. Uh, well, the, I, would, the, I would call that political protests. So, so for that, for those that don't know, just give us a. Basically, well, I, I did not have the inside information on the Naira redesign myself, but based on the literature I know was that there have been conversation about like you know redesigning the Naira um, because the CBN governor felt that oh it was one of the ways to curb inflation, which again doesn't make sense, but that's a whole that's a that's a that's a policy policy uh, conversation. Uh, but the Naira redesign happened, but there was not there was not adequate amounts of new Naira notes. Okay. You know, to like to to dispose. Um the people were not able to get their Naira. And there's basically been this push of having a cashless society. Which is one of like, you know, this one of the agendas that the CBN is actually the CBN and the presidency is trying to push you know have trying to have the it. Central Bank of Nigeria. Yeah, Central Bank of Nigeria led by uh, Godwin uh, MFLA. And he's basically trying to, you know, push this notion of like a cashless society um and because the cities has one of the ways to cop corruption because you could have more control of or more like you no know, record keeping of like where money is going or where money is coming from you know yeah. uh but now he did this is happening a week to the election there's still shortage of mirror or new narrow nodes and uh the issue of directive not accepting ordinary nodes. So people can't deposit uh, their ordinary nodes. And it have been basically a back and forth between between extending the deadline. And now Buhari, um, you know, so they went to the Supreme Court. Some of the governors went to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court said that uh, they should allow the new narrow nodes and the ordinary nodes to be used as legal tenders. Right? But Buhari then issued a direct, uh, an executive order and saying that only 200 Naira notes, so, so all 200 Naira notes will work as legal tender with the new Naira notes. And this has basically led to us cause infighting between 
in his in his own party. Actually, um, I mean, Nigerians Nigerians are suffering because of it because yeah. people yeah. did not have enough cash to you know buy goods and buy goods and do like you no know, normal day to day activities. Uh, and then there have been conversations about that it's creating hardship for Nigerians. And the week to the election, Nigerians might actually take this anger on the APC. And Bolak Metinibu's uh, campaign team feels this is an unfair uh, yeah, and policy a week to the election, right? Yeah. But yeah. a counter argument to that, what people are saying is that Buhari is trying to curb vote buying. Yes, I've seen that as well. Yeah, yeah. that could and be now, a very yeah. There's something that not, none the the big vote buyers, the Godfathers, as you said. Exactly. So now there's this conversation that oh, prior to elections, uh, politicians have hard cash, uh, to use to enable them to you know, for vote buying. But now you have limited number, limited amount of new Nara notes, which makes it very very difficult to actually buy votes now since they're not enough there's not enough nanos to go around i see it could it could go either way because you have you know a a predominantly youthful population and you know nigerians are famous for being the hustlers of africa so (laughs) you're dealing with cash you know like if you're in the market and you're dealing with cash and you i'm assuming i think that nigeria has one of the largest informal sectors as well which is yes for most of uh most sub-saharan african countries it's mostly a cash society and this it is it is a sort of like shock decision could it have is. very tangible effects like you know it if you're selling if you're selling uh, spice or if you're selling rice on the streets uh, it's a very yes. very physical uh, effect of like you know the, the current government and mm-hmm. so I, I, it I, is I'm guessing this the the, the civil war between the uh, APC members APC. Is, is, on is, that I mean exactly and I think and I think that is that is that is the issue right in the sense that. It's causing hardship for everyday people, you know. It's causing hardship because it is a caste society. You know, Nigerians love going with cash, so it is causing hardship for everyday people. But then at the same time, it has the potential of curbing vote buying, which is the argument that the presidency is using because he said he wants his legacy to be that of free and fair elections, which I think is ironic because I don't think his the election he ran was free and fair. But that's another conversation. Um, so. On that, on, on that, on that issue, I think, I think it's a very sensitive topic because it's it is creating hardship on everyday people. But it's interesting enough, though, because the only people complaining about this policy is the APC, so it's Bolak Metinibu's campaign that has been against it. The governors that have gone to the Supreme Court and are fighting the presidency for these are members of his own party. So basically, this have led this have caused civil war in the APC a week to the election. I was actually going to ask something about sort of whoever comes in into this election, you have, if not the largest or the second largest, you keep on switching this Africa, but I think Nigeria now is the largest, 400 billion GDP wise. Yes, we are. Uh, yeah. So I've always sort of felt that many African countries, if not all of them, are punching way below their potential. Nigeria probably is punching maybe 20% of its actual potential, if anything. Yeah, we'll like, it should be a trillion dollar, fully trillion dollar economy. Mm. What what does the next Nigerian president have to do differently? Like what if he arrives, say you are the next president of Nigeria and you sit on the table, 
And what's what's your injury? That's, that's a hard question, bro. That's so unfair. But no, anyways, go people, ahead. people, people, people complain a lot. But once you ask them these, yeah, questions, when you ask them, what our previous, you yeah, our previous. Once you ask them these questions, if say you're on the entry, you're on the table, and you have an entry, mm -hmm. yeah, what does the next Nigerian president have to do differently? Okay, so one thing, one thing, one thing, one thing. If you look at Nigerian, like since Nigerian elections, if you look back. If you look back in the, the first um, after the civil war in the 1960, you know after independence, uh, you know, and our times of democracy and military regime, one theme has always been out there: not the economy, not security, it's corruption. You know, big government inefficiency. We have big costs in the, like in government. You know, mm -hmm. is that every time most of the most of the budget is used to actually service debts. You know, so we do have to so have an inefficient government. And I think the, one of the things which Peter B is actually has been really good at, he's basically been very, very, very vocal about this, that one of the things he would actually do was to, was to stop the bleeding of the government coffers. Because it is an expensive government. It is too big, it is too expensive, yeah. and it is not fit for purpose. It is very inefficient. The bureaucracy is just too much. You know, you have contract after contract not being fulfilled, and there is no clear mechanism to hold people accountable. Mm. And, and I think this is the biggest problem in the country that needs to be fixed, and which is why, you know, it also relates back to corruption as well, you know? So I think the number one thing, the number one thing to fix would actually, to stop the bleeding, you know, reduce the cost of governance, reduce the cost of governance. That is number one, that should be number one priority. Yeah, yeah. And um, and oh sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to ask um what sort of things do you think need to happen, I guess, in the private sector? Because you you mentioned that um that the government I guess was too big and one of the ideas would be to cut it down. So my 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 thought process would be that um the people who would probably be laid off from the state would probably go into most likely the private sector. So it's like, um, is Nigeria's private sector um, doing well enough to be able to absorb um, those sorts of changes? Because, well, yeah, go ahead. Well, again, so the private sector, it's definitely not to do well enough. Or we have mm -hmm. about 40% of young people are unemployed. Yeah. That is a damn statistic. Uh, if you call yourself the, the giants of Africa, yeah, 40% <laughs> of young people are unemployed. Um, but I think like the tech space, for example, has shown is that the country has a lot of potential, right? Yeah. We we need the right leadership to steer the country well. We need the right investment. For example, we have a very strong um, informal sector in the country. Mm. You know, a lot of small businesses. Mm. These are these are areas where the government could actually come in to create support support mechanism. For example, one of the things the Buhari regime had was a microfinance scheme. That okay. actually supported smaller businesses. So I think so that I don't I think that was a very good policy, for example. Yeah. And I think something similar on that end to support the private sector, um, make it much easier for small business owners to actually yeah. function, you know, create that mechanism for them to be able to run their businesses the way they want to. And then I think the I think the issue the issue with with the big governments is that for example, you have the civil service that isn't basically used to its full potential. We have a big civil, big civil service that isn't seem to be performing. Uh, we have 
we have big we have big uh big salaries for politicians uh we have states for example you have states where pensions are not being paid mm-hmm. you know yeah. but yeah. the money's there you know you have states where pensions are not being paid you have states where... documentary on that as well yeah, yeah you know and you have states where um school teachers are not being paid mm-hmm. you know you have teachers going to school three months teaching they are not being paid right and there's this issue of like states not basically generating enough revenue to actually pay for the cost of governance in the states. Wow. So they have to rely on federal on federal um on federal funding. So these are all these issues. I think just these these different areas where the countries where the, the, the country's uh, um, economy is being is, is bleeding and it needs it needs to stop. I think that inefficiency needs to be needs to be taken away. And I think that's a first start. That's mm-hmm. a first start. You need to create you need to create a working environment that actually attract investment you know the country he just it is just there's no there's no accountability mechanism yeah. to actually lure in foreign investors mm. you know if you talk about if you talk to business people in nigeria so doing when i was in my when i was doing my master's in oxford i was fortunate enough to like speak to some people that had businesses in nigeria and one of the things that always talks about was you know the lack of support from government uh the corruption the inefficiencies so these are these are, seem to be small issues, but these are the things that are holding the, the country. Because yeah. Nigerians, we like you know, you say like we are hustlers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Nigerians would always create businesses on themselves. You know, we have a very large e-commerce sector. I have a lot of friends in the country. They couldn't find jobs after uni. They all started their own business. My cousin basically started his own um, graphic design business. You know, so we. So highly educated people are not getting any jobs. Yeah. Exactly, but yeah, and but people are able to like you know, fend for themselves, but just they they need the environment to make it easier. So they're not really asking for money. No, they're not. That's the thing. They're not asking for a lot. <laughs> they, they, yeah. are, they just they just say the government needs to do its job. You know, we need to stop the bleeding of the public purse. Yeah. You know, we need to be able to hold people accountable. We need to have a rule of law in the country. You know, we need an efficient government that actually look. And work for the interests of the country. Uh, no, you, you said it well, man. You said it well. Um, and that's that brings me to uh, another topic, which uh, generally African elections miss, or perhaps for good reasons or bad reasons. You you mentioned the Labour Party, and then also we talked about handouts. Mm-hmm. This tendency in African elections, there's no, we don't necessarily have these political ideologies that you have. In, yes. Yeah, in other countries, and when when we're asking about the the issues, normally the issues are to do with uh, religion or the personal character of the per, of uh, mm-hmm. the candidate. So what, like, in terms of if you can put them in ideologies, or if they stand for anything particularly, does the APC stand for you know more free market? Does the Labour Party with the Labour Party should we expect in Nigeria that is more protectionist? Should we, even when it comes to like foreign policy, I know Nigeria is like many other African countries, maybe not like Zambia, mm. Chinese investment, you know, uh, what can we expect in terms of the style? Like, so I'm, I'm trying to sort of bring yeah. it forward in terms of the, what we should expect I from think, policies, but also in I terms think, of what position they will take Nigeria. I think, I think, I think all presidential candidates are basically speaking of 
you know, an open market in the country. You know, I think I think the more if I would characterize them, characterize them as capitalist. I mean, but then again, Peter B is tagged as a capitalist as a capitalist one. Um, but for I think for good reason. Because he do he understand? Wait, so the Labour Party is tagged as the capitalist one. I mean, yeah, he's been tagged as the capitalist one. Um, for different for different reasons, uh, for different reasons, policy wise, and just like trying to, um attack his image uh which but which i don't think has been successful to be fair uh because he's able to he's able to sell he's able to sell his idea as well that in the sense that he wants to see the country going from an exporting country like a producing country going from a producing country from a, a consumption country right so we want he wants to reverse he wants to reverse the consumption culture in country and start producing, and I think other candidates have spoken along similar similar lines. To be fair, so I wouldn't necessarily characterize them as you know protectionist or you know more free market. I think they are more they're all pro like they're all pro market. You know they want to see they're more in favor of seeing the country produce more. You know taking advantage of you know the number one priority that we have in this country. The, uh, number one resource that we have, which is the young population. Uh, but taking advantage of that and just making sure that we go from a consumption uh country to a producing country. So I think they've all spoken along 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 the same lines. So I wouldn't again I wouldn't uh differentiate them along those lines. Um and I and I think that brings me that's the complete the complexity in Nigerian politics. Yeah. Yeah it is the complexity in Nigerian yeah. politics, right? There's never like a clear the clear ideology. You know, we talk about you're talking about Kennedy, like this is like part of the part of the establishment. You know, this is a corrupt politician. This is like, you know, he's from this region, he's from the southeast, he's from the north, and you know, he's you know, so those are the issues that differentiate the candidates more than the their core ideologies. So yeah. we never had to, yeah, so there's hardly a conversation about that actually. Yeah, I think, I mean, as much as I despise sort of trying to put them in that Western political spectrum of left, right, center, I think also the lack, that 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 also encourages people to not, to sort of be surprised when they come into government, you know? Like when you elect yeah. a popular person, you elect a popular person and you vote them into government and then you realize, oh wait, policy-wise, once you start seeing the governance rather than the campaigning, <laughs> you know, it's just, oh, yes. hold on, and I don't really... Agree with this. I wanted. To oh, yeah, agree. I mean, uh, well, funny enough, <laughs> you know? funny enough, funny enough. The the APC is a progressive party. It costs itself. It's 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 got to be a progressive party. Right. Um. Yeah. I mean, we had this. We had a period where the government basically shut down the border. You know, they shut down the border and there's well, the borders. There. Yeah, they shut down the borders. I think this was that was two years ago. Yeah, they did shut right. the, 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 COVID, the, the or... borders. No, before not before, that was not because of COVID. They closed the borders. Um. Towards Niger, was it Niger? They were trying to stop the importation of rice in the country because they wanted the country to produce its own rice. Wow, that's right. interesting. Because didn't Aliko Dangote wasn't that his main, his first? <laughs> yeah, so, yes, yes. Aliko Dangote, he's Africa's richest man, a Nigerian businessman whose net worth stands at thirteen point five billion US dollars. He made his money through investing in the sugar industry, but is mostly known for Dangote Cement, Africa's largest cement producer. The rice part comes in because his father was a successful rice farmer in northern Nigeria and in 2014, Aliko Dangote himself was reported to have invested 1 billion US dollars into commercial rice production, primarily in Nigeria. If you'd like to know more about African wealth, check out our Instagram or Facebook pages 
which we list down the wealthiest African cities and which ones have the most billionaires. Let's get back into the conversation. Yeah, so that's that's so I think we actually actually make a mistake because, for example, like someone like Peter B, for example, you could consider him a capitalist, right? Uh, but he's talking about like you know focusing on producing the country should produce what it needs, you know, and reducing importation, reduce importation, and so that's more like looking more inwards in the country rather than external, right? So I wouldn't be surprised if I see protectionist policies from him. So I, and that's why I think it's it's it's, it's, a, it's, an, it's an interesting landscape because I don't think it helps our analytical framework if we actually uh, align them on this based on this ideology. I just don't think it helps um, helps. I know that okay, so that's it for the third part of our episode on the 2023 Nigerian election on the 25th of February. Our guest is Desmond Okumbor, a PhD candidate at Oxford SDG Research Fellow. In this episode, we looked at the big economic issues from currency to corruption to small businesses. Could this be on people's minds as they vote? Uh, we'll see. The fourth and final episode will briefly discuss Nigeria's foreign policy and take a look at the Google trends. See who's the most searched candidate. Thank you for listening. Leave us a rating, follow us on all our socials, and most of all, please let us know what you think of this episode.